welcome to Misunderstood, a podcast dedicated to better understanding MS and learning to live well with MS. I'm your host, Katie Sloan. Our usual reminders as we begin. First, I am not an expert. I'm just a person like you, living with MS and trying to make the best of it. Misunderstood is based on my personal experience, what I've learned from my doctors, other care providers, and my own solutions-oriented research and pattern-finding obsession. While the majority of the information I share has been vetted by doctors, I am not a doctor. My intention is that you use the information shared here as a springboard for discussion between you and your doctor regarding your future care options. And lastly, MS impacts each of us uniquely. I hope to shine a light on a wide range of approaches and strategies for living better with MS. But what you choose to do with that information is always your choice. And what works for one may not work for all. In our previous episode, we explored flotation therapy and the power of sensory deprivation. It's been exciting to hear from a number of listeners that they're very interested in trying this unique therapy. I, for one, can't wait for my next float. This week, I'd like to share the latest research on using music as a healing tool, as well as a new site I discovered, which entails music therapy for MS, called MS in Harmony. For my gratitude this week, I'd like to thank my musical family for my deep appreciation of music. Growing up, music was a staple in our home. Some of my earliest memories are seeing my grandfather, who played violin and clarinet, play in the orchestra, or harmonizing with my grandmother to Silent Night. And of course, the sounds of my dad's guitar were a constant in our home. Both sides of my family are musical. On my mom's side, my uncle is a talented singer, songwriter, and guitarist. He's also an incredible artist and has even made beautiful homemade guitars out of wine barrels. In my family of origin, we all played instruments. My brother played the trumpet, I played the flute, clarinet, piccolo, and guitar. My mom played electric bass, my dad played electric guitar and banjo. My dad and I often sang together and loved to harmonize. My parents had a rock and roll band when I was a kid. They played parties and rehearsed every Sunday night in the music room underneath my bedroom. I grew up accustomed to feeling the drums through the floor and hearing the loud feedback while my dad riffed on his electric guitar. Music was a big part of our life together. Whether performing at church, weddings, funerals, parties, or holiday events like caroling on a cable car in San Francisco, we had a lot of fun making music together, and I'll always be grateful for the ways music has shaped my life and been a part of each milestone we experienced together. We even sang one of my grandmother's favorite songs, Show Me the Way to Go Home, which was written in 1925 by Jimmy Campbell and Reg Connolly at my grandmother's service. It's a cute little drinking tune, and we used to break out into three-part harmonies together at the end of the night as our last song. Certainly not the hallmark song at most memorial services, but nothing else would feel quite right to honor my grandma Lorraine. When MS attacked my hands in 2015 with a bad case of transverse myelitis, I stopped being able to play my flute and guitar. Part of me also lost the desire to sing. 
I'm grateful that my hands have slowly recovered over time. Last year, I was able to start playing guitar again. And now that I better understand just how powerful music can be as a healing tool after researching for this episode, I'm even more dedicated towards making music a daily part of my life again in the new year. This time as an integral component of living well with MS. As we know, living with MS and finding solutions for our symptoms is often a very unique experience involving much trial and error. What works for one of us might not work for someone else. And we also know is that many of us have found relief through complementary and alternative medicine, or CAM. While acupuncture, yoga, meditation, and other avenues are common pathways, music therapy is one that we might not think of right away, but we'll learn in a moment that there's quite a bit of science behind it. In September of this year, Scientific American featured an article on the power of music in healing heart disease. I'll share some tidbits from that article as well as other research regarding the healing power of music that I found compelling. Did you know, for instance, that the human heartbeat provided the standard unit of measure for musical time until the metronome replaced it in the mid-19th century? Or did you know that nephrologists teach their medical students to decipher different heart murmurs by listening to their patients' hearts through stethoscopes and by recording trills, grace notes, and decrescendos to describe the unique sound of heart valves as they snap closed? Musician mathematician Elaine Chu uses musical notation to capture what she calls signature rhythms of the heart. Other musicians have utilized the irregular rhythms of atrial fibrillation in their works. In fact, Beethoven's music displays so many of these distinctive, disordered heart rhythms that cardiologists have even speculated that they may have been transcriptions of Beethoven's own arrhythmia, especially given that these sensations are often magnified when other senses are depleted. Hence, his heartbeat could have been enhanced by his deafness. Cardiologists have studied how our emotions, and particularly stress, alter the conductive properties in the heart at the cellular level. This is why extreme stress, either acute stress from one incident or slow-burning chronic stress over time, is so dangerous for people with underlying cardiac disease. And in fact, many of the same factors that can impact our likelihood of developing MS in life can also lead to heart disease, early life adversity, loneliness and depression, and a central nervous system caught in a constant state of hypervigilance. Music communicates emotion in a very similar way as our heart does. For example, a slow, steady pulse or beat evokes a sense of calm, yet rapid, erratic palpitations can induce fear. Score writers know this, of course, and intentionally use music to enhance our movie viewing experience. Music is a powerful way to alter our heart rate blood pressure, and breathing, as well as our heart rate variability, which are all indicators of both cardiac and mental health. 
neuroscientists have actually traced music-induced physiological changes to the part of the brain that connects to our vagus nerve. The vagus nerve, you may recall, is the largest nerve system in our body. It connects our brain and our gut and is responsible for the unconscious regulation of many critical body functions. Stay tuned for an upcoming episode on the vagus nerve and why our vagal health is such an important aspect of overall health and especially important when living with MS. This same brain area is responsible for empathetic mirroring of both internal and external experiences, and it's also connected to the parts of the brain responsible for managing pleasure, our dopamine reward system, and the auditory cortices that we rely on for our hearing ability. Neuroscientists are able to monitor the brain and see how the brain forms predictions to repetition in music and results in an emotional response to the meaning of music. Therefore, since our brains are strongly responsive to music, we can use music to induce physiological changes in heart-brain studies. And the physiological changes they're able to detect are consistent enough that they can actually correctly infer what music genre someone listened to by simply viewing their fMRI scans. Real quick, since I needed to research this myself, fMRI scans use the same basic principles as MRI scans that we're familiar with. But as we know, MRI scans image our brain's anatomical structure, whereas the fMRI scan images of our metabolic function. Different music features are linked to specific physiological responses. For example, increased volume in orchestral and vocal music cause similar increases in blood pressure and vascular constriction. And some music that has the same oscillation as our body's natural blood flow caused listeners' heartbeat and breathing patterns to sync with the music. We can find specific music to listen to that mimics healthy patterns to assist us with relaxation. In fact, I used to use one of these such tracks in my classroom when I was teaching as mellow background music during quiet work time or reading time. It was repetitive, instrumental music that not only masked any sounds acting as white noise, but calmed my students. A number of parents over the years asked me about the music because their children enjoyed it so much and wanted to use it at home when they studied or fell to sleep. If you're interested, it's called In My Time by Yanni. I found it interesting to learn that when people listen to the same music together, they tend to not only synchronize their breathing and heart rhythms, but also their movements. This is especially true when people sing together. In another study out of Austria, rhythm music therapy has been found to be highly therapeutic for MS and Parkinson's patients when it comes to the timing of movement, because damage can be incurred in one or more of the three brain centers responsible for movement, the motor cortex, the basal ganglia, and the cerebellum. Using a metronome and or listening to music Patients would imagine themselves walking, which is referred to as, quote, motor imagery, 
In a study of people with mild to moderate MS, where some were using canes or crutches and others were independently mobile, all participants showed improvement in their walking ability, and they also experienced a lessening of fatigue and reported a higher quality of life. This sort of music therapy can also help with the function of our hands or our mouth or tongue to help with our speech. And did you know that there are people who cannot talk but can sing? Many people who have experienced stroke find that they are able to walk and talk much better with music. The same can be true with tremors. I also found it interesting to learn that different aspects of music are processed in different areas of our brains. For example, while pitch is processed in several brain areas, musical imagery is analyzed in the frontal lobe, singing in the right frontal lobe, and timing is organized in the cerebellum. This is how music therapy can get the whole brain working together in perfect harmony. Music therapy can also help improve our memory. About half of us living with MS experience cognitive decline at some point or another. Music can help us remember and think more clearly. This is why it's commonplace to teach young children concepts through music, like the ABCs, for example. If we can use mnemonics and change the words of a favorite song to remember a list of items or a to-do list, we'll be much more likely to remember them. Music-based interventions can successfully modulate cerebral blood flow, reduce anxiety and stress, and lower cortisol levels. These can more easily be monitored now through the recent expansion of biofeedback devices that measure heart rate variability. In fact, neurologic music therapy programs are gaining popularity. How exciting to think about how we may one day be given a musical prescription to better achieve our health goals. Neurologic Music Therapy, or NMT, uses music to encourage neuroplasticity to help our brains recover from injuries that impede our motor, language, sensory, and cognitive ability. Well, lucky for us, there's no shortage of awesome free music therapy available. I've mentioned a few of these in previous episodes in different contexts, so I'll just quickly do a recap. One of my current favorites is Jason Stevenson on YouTube. His vast catalog includes both guided meditations and music specifically for sleep, anxiety, depression, cleansing destructive energy, building confidence, releasing negativity, focus while studying, weight loss, ho'opono ono for healing and forgiveness, letting go of the day, developing a positive mindset, and so many more. I also want to mention binaural beats. These are most effective to listen to with headphones, as the music is intentionally shifted between the ears in therapeutic rhythms. There are many of these to choose from as well, for sleep, pain management, increased focus, to promote lucid dreaming, anxiety relief, headache and sinus relief, healing from an accident, healing from a, from a virus or infection, or increasing positive energy. 
And of course, there are lots of binaural beats specifically to normalize our heart rate. There's even specific music on YouTube that targets cancer cells. Did I mention these are all available for free on YouTube? There's a lot more as well. Give yourself permission to search in YouTube, quote, healing music for, and fill in the blank. You are certain to find many options. I'd also like to mention that music with vocals can also be healing in a different way. When we go through a challenge, like a breakup for instance, not only are there binaural beats specifically to release pain from a broken heart, but we can also search for popular music with vocals on the subject, which can help us not feel so alone and process through grief stages more effectively. Similarly, you can find both binaural beats and vocal music to let go of resentment and anger to aid in the forgiveness process, as well as a wide range of other emotions. So next time you're feeling a certain way or want to feel a different way, consider using music as a helpful tool. For the rest of today's episode, I'd like to focus on a new resource I found recently and just started utilizing and found helpful. MS in Harmony. You can visit their website at msinharmony.com. When you visit the MS in Harmony page, you first are welcomed by Ben Platt. He's an actor, singer, and songwriter best known for his performances as Benji in the Pitch Perfect movies. He shares that his sister-in-law, Courtney, lives with relapsing MS, and that this is a fun collaboration for them since they both have strong roots in music and dance. You might recognize Courtney, who is a dancer, actor, and choreographer from So You Think You Can Dance and Glee. MS in Harmony was created by Bristol Myers Squibb and the American Music Therapy Association in partnership with Ben and Courtney. And according to an article I read about MS in Harmony, the guiding vision at Bristol Myers Squibb is to, quote, transform patients' lives through science, and that includes non-conventional treatment and support strategies, like music therapy. We're thrilled to have the chance to make music therapy informed exercises more accessible to the MS community through this unique initiative. It's exciting to me that a pharmaceutical company cares about expanded treatments. They make the MS DMT Zyposia. As we know all too well, MS interferes with the communication between our mind and body functionality. The content on their site is specifically designed for us to help us achieve mind-body harmony through music therapy. These therapies address our physical and mental functionality, as well as the emotional challenges associated with MS, like anxiety, depression, and low self-esteem. The MS in Harmony website is easy to navigate. There are three distinct sections for music therapy for the body, mind, and soul, so you can select your area of greatest need. In each of the three sections, there's a short blurb sharing how music can help us specifically in that area as people living with MS. 
To provide you with a high-level overview of the different musical therapy opportunities, I'll quickly share some titles from each section. As I do, be thinking which ones might be the most helpful for you to explore to help with your unique MS symptoms. In the body section, there are many titles to choose from, like music for agility, music to find your stride, singing to strengthen speech, music as exercise, tongue twisters, salsa for motor skills, moving to the beat, tension release and relaxation, singing for stamina, and more. In the mind section, titles include Melodies for Memories, Song of Yourself, Building Your Own Beat, Scat Singing for Memory, Sounds for Short-Term Memory, Music Mad Libs, Music for Word Recall, and more. And in the soul section, titles include things like Tune Into Yourself, Songs to Soothe the Soul, Musical mantra for relaxation, breath awareness and emotional response, active listening, energy shifting music playlist, guided visualization, songs for sleep, and more. So far, I've only watched a handful of video tutorials, but I found them all to be quite enjoyable. The specialists are experts in their area and do a good job of keeping things simple and making learning fun. I also appreciated the ideas shared in a few of the videos I watched to adapt the idea for different needs. I'm excited to check out more and to make music more of an integral part of my daily dues when it comes to taking great care of myself and striving to live well with MS. There's so much more I could share about the power of music therapy, but in an effort to release this episode prior to the holiday, Hopefully learning just a bit today and hearing about MS in Harmony will inspire you to think about ways to bring more music therapy into your life. So, are you interested in music therapy? I hope that after listening to this episode, we all, one, understand the many health benefits of music therapy as an accessible and free healing tool. Two, that we feel inspired to seek out music therapy to help each of us with our own unique MS symptoms and struggles. And three, that we talk with our neurologist about the availability of professional music therapy near us if we prefer an in-person experience over a virtual one. Our next Misunderstood Flock meeting will be Saturday, January 1st. Yep, New Year's Day. At the Flock meeting, we'll discuss this episode and other episodes released this month and start the new year off right by spending time together supporting one another as we all strive to live well with MS. If you're not yet a Flock member but would like to be, please join us. We meet via Zoom the first Saturday of each month. You can learn more and join us by visiting patreon.com slash msflock. As always, I encourage all listeners to reach out with questions, comments, future podcast topics, or guest ideas via email to mymsflock at gmail.com. And lastly, remember, as we travel through life with MS, we're certain to hit some turbulence. We'll get through it, especially for flying together, supporting one another. 
Thank you for listening. And until next time, be well.